RA Exchange. Welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange. My name is Chloe Lula, the Exchange's senior producer. Today, I'm only going to provide a brief intro to the show, which is part of our ongoing collaboration with Black Minds Matter UK, a fully registered charity connecting Black individuals and families with free therapy by qualified and accredited Black therapists. RA has engaged in an editorial partnership with BMM since 2021 in an effort to showcase Black creatives working in electronic music and to raise awareness around mental health. The most recent installment in the series is about ADHD, a topic that I feel comes up with increasing frequency in my immediate circles. Our host, Vanessa Maria, interviews a DJ and a producer with ADHD and a mental health professional who casts light on what it means to live with an ADHD diagnosis. Together, they dissect what happens on a physiological level when one lives with neurodivergence, music's ability to alleviate many of the symptoms that accompany ADHD, and how thinking differently can be a superpower, allowing those of us who are affected to actually be more creative and risk-taking in our artistic pursuits. You might recognize Vanessa Maria because she's a recurrent host on The Exchange, and she produced our last episode in collaboration with BMM. She's a London-based DJ, broadcaster, and creative producer of German and Jamaican heritage, and her practice champions music and mental health. She's also the producer of an award-winning documentary about Black students' well-being called When Well-Being is White. I'm excited to welcome her back on the show, and I'll let her take it from here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hello, and welcome back to another RA Exchange in collaboration with Black Minds Matter. My name is Vanessa Maria, and alongside two guests, we're going to be discussing ADHD in dance music. We're going to talk a little bit about what ADHD is. We are going to look at how it intersects with dance music, and we are going to look at some of the ways to manage ADHD. Our first guest is Dr. Michelle, a highly accomplished music psychologist, DJ, radio host, and writer. And with over a decade of research and DJ experience, she is deeply committed to advancing the understanding and the transformative power of music in improving mental well-being. Our second guest is Manor, who is a DJ, marketer, and co-founder of SAF run club a monthly run club for south asian creatives to practice movement as meditation beyond the dance floor having been diagnosed with add in 2020 she's interested in exploring the ways in which dance music can both attract and provide a space for neurodivergent people first of all i want to delve into what adhd is and how it impacts individuals and to do that we're going to call upon dr michelle to help us through Hi, Michelle. It's lovely to meet you and to be here with you. Could you tell us a little bit about like what you do and what brings you into the discussion around ADHD? 
Yeah, hey, uh, my name's Dr. Michelle Ulo. I'm a music psychologist, writer and DJ. Um, I've always been fascinated about music and psychology, bringing in music and science together, focusing on a mental health perspective, but I generally just love everything music and science related. I find it quite interesting to see how we can understand and explain musical behaviours or experiences related to music, um, which stretch to all different realms, especially, sorry, within ADHD. Amazing. And can you give us a brief overview of what ADHD is? Yeah, of course. So um, it's also known as Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. That's the full name. Um, And it's basically um, all about a development impairment um, within the brain's self-management system. Essentially, it impacts parts of the brain. It helps us plan, focus and execute different tasks. You might often hear that it's associated with certain symptoms and these can fall under two domains. One is inattentiveness, so that's related to um, difficulty in concentrating and focusing. The second is all around hyperactivity and impulsiveness. So that's like excessive movement or um, acting hastily without any thoughts. And that could relate to having difficulty concentrating, being unable to sit still, excessive talking and physical movement and so on. And how does it impact individuals on like a neurological level? Yeah, so one thing I'll say is that a lot of people tend to think that ADHD is a learning disability and it's not. It's all about the neurodevelopment impairments. And so one major thing is all about how there are low levels of dopamine. Dopamine is also known as, I guess, the feel-good hormones. Um, so that impacts, I guess, how the brain works and how that consequently impacts the human system. And If you were to recognise some of those signs or symptoms um, within yourself, what are some of the steps that you can take in order to move into the direction of like a diagnosis or like maybe finding out more about whether you have ADHD? Firstly, I want to stress like you are not a problem. Mm -hmm. This is not a problem. It's just that, you know, there are differences in your brain which impact how you are and your behaviour. Like I don't want people to think that there is anything wrong with them because they don't fit air quote marks. They're not typical, as they say. So I think that's one thing to know. I know it's easier said than done, but try not to be scared. If anything, I think you should see a diagnosis as a way to better understand yourself and better understand the situation you're in, which could also help other people understand and how um, and the situation you're in as well and then I would go and see if you could seek medical advice so speak going to your GP and speaking to doctors or professionals who are trained in diagnosis um, etc I also find it quite helpful to speak to people who have had similar experiences to you you know ADHD people who have already been diagnosed they've already gone through the steps they can tell you about their experiences let them know what worked for them what didn't work for them it's always helpful to speak to someone who essentially can understand you and who's going through the same thing as you. So how much does it actually cost to get diagnosed? I know you can go through the NHS, but that's quite a time-consuming process. Yeah, no, it is. That is true. It is a very time-consuming process. So it can cost up to a couple of hundred pounds if you're talking about the UK, which, you know, not everyone has. And we all know that the arts and creative field, most of us are from working-class backgrounds. So there is a lot of unfairness in that sense. So what are some of the most common misconceptions around ADHD that we might encounter in popular culture today? Yeah, so there's quite a few, but I'll just pick out some that I think are most common. So firstly, a lot of people think that ADHD only impacts children, but it actually affects adults as well. I think that sort of relates to a lot of the research being focused on children, which is why people might not necessarily pay that much attention to adults. But also, I think because a lot of adults 
go throughout life not realising that they have ADHD or or there are ADHD people who just haven't been diagnosed yet. So I think that's one case. Second is that people, especially in schools, they would just assume that, you know, an ADHD person who hasn't been diagnosed is just naughty or mm. lazy or just not motivated or they're told to try harder. But it's not as easy as that, like... ADHD people, it's all about the structural differences in your brain and you can't change that. That's the way you're born. Overall, I generally think that there is a lack of understanding and education about the experience causing people to have these type of myths. And we also know that there are cultural differences within the diagnosis and the treatment of ADHD. Could you shed a light on some of these disparities and why they exist, particularly within the black community? Yeah, of course. So there was a paper that I came across recently and it was looking at a diagnosis and treatment of ADHD amongst black, Asian, Hispanic and white children. This was US-based. And I'd love to share the stats from this paper because it was really overwhelming. So they examined over 200,000 children um, and they were yeah, focusing on diagnosis and treatment of ADHD. They found that 72.7% of white children had received diagnosis and treatments and only 6.2% of black children received diagnosis and treatments. It's very, very bad. Wow. It is really bad. And I think these problems, I think it exists due to both sides. I think one can be just people not believing black people's symptoms, downplaying them or suggesting there's something else. But I also think this does relate to the stigma that you do find in black communities to even get into the point of being diagnosed, let alone being able to receive treatment. And I think often there can be like a misinterpretation of ADHD and a lack of understanding or education around that experience. I'm Nigerian, so I can speak for, I guess, the Nigerian community in relation to ADHD and uh, mental health etc and I think a lot of it can stem from I guess the older generation the type of beliefs that they grew up with and those beliefs being passed down and I think when I my parents in like their 60s and 70s and if I think back to when they were children I don't think ADHD I won't say was a thing but like people didn't know what ADHD was and so you know they just misinterpret it as as something else and that's impacting the recognition of it and also some people from that culture can also have the mindset of you know they don't want something to be wrong with their child and not want to diagnose their children or not want to see them as having a problem which it's not a problem it's just the way they are so in reality it's not and so I think people need to speak to each other more about their experiences and I think people need to be more open-minded to learning and understanding that it's not a problem it's just the way someone was born and this is how we're going to navigate and deal with it. Now we have a little bit of a better understanding of what ADHD is and how it impacts people I want to look at how it actually intersects and relates to dance music and the DJ scene. If you are an individual within the music industry, what are some of the, like, I guess the symptoms or what are some of the signs that you could point to that might relate to you having ADHD? Yeah, so I think, like, generally you can look at it in, in terms of the domains that it falls under. So in terms of inattentiveness, which is all about, like, having difficulty concentrating and focusing, you might have a short attention span or find it very easy to be distracted. Then there's also hyperactivity and impulsiveness, so 
all about excessive movement, having difficulty concentrating. Um, but also one that some people tend to miss out is um, social interactions. So sometimes you just, you might feel like you're socially awkward, but actually you just don't do well in social settings and you just might not want to talk to people. And that is completely fine. But I think what is quite special about ADHD is when you can pull out the benefits of having ADHD um, and the symptoms associated with it. ADHD people might have, you know, excess amount of energy, but that can be a benefit because they can channel that into, you know, creative activities and things that they enjoy. So whether that's producing music, whether that's DJing, whether that's, you know, going to the club and dancing. And I also think another advantage is that um, ADHD people can be, or they are more creative and they can be original thinkers. There is a, an idea of like hyperfocus that ADHD people experience. Can you explain like what hyperfocus is um, and how it can be a strength within like the creative pursuits like DJing and like music production? Yeah, so hyperfocus is all about when you find yourself in a situation where you're focusing intensely on a specific task for a long period of time and you can be like completely involved and so engrossed that you like entirely block out everything else that's in your environment. You don't really focus on any other task. And yeah, I think this tends to occur when people are working on things that they're super interested in. And I think if you were to relate this to, I guess, the benefits of like the arts or DJ or music production imagine your producer you're working on a piece of music for like five or six hours straight just completely focusing on getting that banger out like I think that's really special and I think you're able to be so free in terms of you know creating this I guess I, yeah I would say masterpiece like you're able to focus all that time and focus all your attention on like fine-tuning and getting that piece of music perfect and one thing we also know about the music industry is that it can be a very like stressful experience. It can be very overwhelming to navigate. How can artists with ADHD best manage that stress and prevent burnout? I know burnout's been a topic that's come up quite frequently over the last few months and years. And yeah, I wanted to know like what artists could do in order to like navigate that and maintain productivity whilst also having to navigate like a demanding schedule. Well, I think a starting point would be to figure out what type of behaviours you're displaying when you're stressed, then navigate the situation of how you overcome that. So for example, is it a case of, you know, does your mind become overactive when you're super stressed? So maybe you can try an activity that contributes towards focusing your thoughts, like, you know, mindful exercises or guided imagery or listening to ambient music. I would also recommend thinking about preventative mechanisms. Like we all know that you know, you're unfortunately going to encounter those sorts of stressful situations. So if you can find strategies or mechanisms that you know can help prevent or at least help you cope better with, with the stressful situations, that could be quite helpful. And then lastly, just trialling things out and seeing how it goes. Some might work, some might not work, but I think it's all about learning what does work for you and what doesn't. So when it comes to um, medication, it's often like a topic of discussion, especially around like managing like ADHD and managing ADHD symptoms. What are some of the like considerations for individuals who might want to use medication as part of their like management strategy? Yeah, so I think generally whenever people go through situations like this, I think because of the way society is, we are trained to think medication is the best and only route. But um, that isn't always the case. However, uh, medication can be quite helpful for people. But I will say that each individual case is different and what works for someone might not always work for others. But if you are considering going down the medication route, again, always, always seek 
advice from medical professionals because they are trained in this. And I would recommend speaking to more than one person because everyone has different approaches. I would also speak to people who have had similar experiences to you so they can let you know like what their experience was like having medication and what it was actually like getting medication and taking it. And also to understand both the benefits and disadvantages. I think Often people are quick to advertise, oh yes, like go take some medication, but they don't really touch on the side effects a lot. So it's important to do your own research and think about, okay, what are the type of side effects that, you know, could happen when, if I take the medication? So for example, is it a case of this medication is going to impact my mood? Okay, how is that going to impact your creative work? You know, music and the arts is a very emotional um, experience. And if your mood is being impacted by the medication you're taking, how is that going to impact the work, the output that you have? And yeah, so just think about that. Think about how it would impact your creative work and also the long-term side effects. Um, But also just know that you can consider other activities too. So, you know, I, I know it sounds very, very simple and basic, but like your diet, exercise and thinking about how you can incorporate different cope mechanisms or coping strategies to help you. So is it a case of you need help focusing more? You know, why don't you try listening to ambient music? That could be quite helpful in helping you manage or regulate your attention if you're having difficulties with controlling that. I know I've been saying this quite a lot, but honestly, like, This is such a personal and individualised experience and figuring out what works for you is so, so important because it's not the same all around, even though, you know, there might be five ADHD people, but like all of their experiences can be completely different to them. So that's one thing I'd recommend, like focusing on your symptoms and trying to find coping strategies that relate specifically to those symptoms. So if it's a case of where I said before, you know, you're struggling with regulating your attention. So what is it that you can do to help with your attention span? Is it a case of, okay, you have a lot of excess energy. What can you do to help with that? You know, would exercise help you? Would that work for you? Um, Would, you know, creating a routine help you and stuff like that? And now we're starting to know more about what ADHD is and how it affects people, especially within electronic dance music and what are some of the ways that maybe the industry can change and communities and organisations can take more initiative in order to make the space a bit more inclusive and supportive for people who are trying to navigate and manage um, neurodivergence? So firstly, listen. It's very, very important to listen to people. Don't shut down people. Like, listen to what they're saying and, like, don't doubt them. Second, do your own research and educate yourself. I don't think it's fair for you to expect an ADHD person to teach you about their experience to understand it better unless they voluntarily offer that up that is something that you should be doing don't wait until you meet an ADHD person to do that should already be done anyway and then also it's important for you to understand what an ADHD person needs and how those needs might differ across um, other people I think most importantly is that we have a space already set up that can be inclusive to everyone and not just the typical abled bodied individual I I think it's important not just for ADHD people but for everyone else just like there's a space where people can be comfortable and flourish and for there to be a mutual understanding of this is what I have this is how I navigate the world and you understand me and you can accommodate that and again I think it's about doing your own research educating yourself so that you can understand what someone is going through and understand what that person needs creating those spaces or settings that are ADHD friendly and that should always be included when planning those things and then also just understanding that um, you know people respond or react to things in different ways and that's okay 
thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us and allowing us to hear some of the insights around ADHD. And I've learned so much, so it's been very insightful. Thank you. I've, I've really enjoyed coming to talk to you today. It's fascinating to see how ADHD intersects with dance music. And I want to learn firsthand from someone who has been diagnosed with ADHD to learn about how it affects them. So we're calling upon Manor, who is a DJ, marketer and co-founder of Sath Run Club, to give us an insight into her daily life. So it's Manor here and I am a DJ, I am a marketer and I run a refugee supper club as well. And could you share your personal journey of becoming a DJ with ADHD? I delved into DJing before I realised I had ADHD, actually. But I feel like now that I think about it and I think about the ADHD traits, I can really see a correlation between that and the reasons for which I like went into DJing. Like I feel like the kind of natural start for a lot of people is that they just love selecting and they're like, you know, music nerds and stuff like that. And I think a lot of that comes from an element of hyperfixation, which is quite prevalent in people with ADHD. And I think when you like something or like, you know, you find yourself in a passion like music or whatever, you end up um, really delving deep into it. So that was um, where I found myself uh, in general, like at uni and stuff like that. And a lot of my friends who were DJs would be like, well, you should just do, like, you know, get, get involved. And I'd always be like a bit of a shy babe. Um, but then I was like, actually, yeah, I want to I wanna be a vibe creator. Like, you know, and I was just enjoying like the ways it made me feel in terms of, I guess, just feeling good when you hear, like, good music or, like, you know, um, did, like, a fun blend or something and just, like, the novelty of it. Like, there's so many possibilities of, like, how you can do, like, you know, different mixes or, like, combine different genres and stuff like that. So it keeps music and DJing very fresh and very novel, very new, which I think people with ADHD thrive off. So all of those elements, I think, played a part in me wanting to start getting into DJing. Um, And it's, I guess a kind of industry or quote-unquote profession that isn't necessarily like a typical one you know obviously like a nine-to-five or something like that so I think as someone with ADHD that kind of flexibility is really appealing or like something you're kind of drawn to as well. And you mentioned like special interests what Mm -hmm. do those look like and do you feel that they've like supported your journey as a DJ I know you mentioned like a few positives of like having ADHD and being in something that isn't as rigid as a nine-to-five. One thing I would say it looks like is, I guess, exploring different genres and finding your interests within those or like the connections you make with certain sounds based on sounds that you're already familiar with. Like a cool gateway, I think, for me into dance music was edits, actually. I guess like hearing familiar sounds with like electronic productions kind of was really exciting for me. And I guess just having affinity towards like percussive sounds based on like the kind of music I'd grown up around meant that I was when I was at university and you know I was like really exploring like the electronic music scene probably for the first time what I was drawn to most was like dubstep and like 140 sounds um obviously like being from London like having like a background of like growing up with grime and like what else like garage and stuff like that and it it has like really informed that as well so I think like in terms of like special genre interests like um it really led me to like delve further into that scene and those kinds of sounds but then beyond that as well I think um one kind of thing that I really enjoyed is as a special interest I guess is just the community building around Mm. DJ like the social side the social side yeah like it really feels like such a home in the way that like every 
I feel like you can bring yourself into the industry and individuality is celebrated. Uh, so where you would otherwise feel like an outsider or like, you know, kind of on the fringes with like other communities or like even within like, I guess, other scenes that are not as solidified as like what the underground dance music scene is or in that sense, it really led to kind of feeling at home there. Mm, no, it makes sense. Like you're accepted and you're somewhere where you belong almost. And yeah. it's nice how you've met, like mentioned the special interests and like the journeys and like the genres that you've like delved into. When was it that you thought, hold on, like, could I be neurodivergent, like, within your journey, like? I think lockdown was the catalyst. Right. Because up until that point, even when I was working, there was some sense of routine that was enforced upon my day-to-day living. And then with lockdown, that didn't exist anymore. And I found the onus like very much on myself to build that. And I realized that my default is chaos. It's <laughs> chaos. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I realized like, you know, I have arrived, like struggled to concentrate on things. And I guess being in the kind of confined spaces we were, like people with ADHD tend to be like more emotionally or like physically sensitive as well. Oh my God, that's also another thing that I think really links into like my DJ journey like someone with neurodivergent traits tends to be more like sensitive to their surroundings and I think music either heightens that or like makes you feel like you know stimulated or can also like provide comfort or solace from that like I guess depending on what you're listening to or like provide a sense of um, easing that kind of tied into it like in terms of like self-soothing that kind of stuff but I also just found myself like even within like the confines of lockdown just feeling really mentally hyperactive Mm -hmm. and at the same time it was something that a few people had raised and I was like no I can't be me because like I would have picked up on that before and secondly I also had the perception that you tend to have of ADHD um, or even just ADD which I think is more where I'm at which is that like you know you just have the image of like young hyperactive boys in your head so you're like no I don't have that I'm not Mm -hmm. bouncing water wall kind of thing (laughs) at the same time at that I think there was like a massive spike on TikTok which everyone was on during lockdown um, in not self-diagnosis but like you know bringing up these kinds of different things so that um, I think there was like a massive rise in that exploration into ADHD or people sharing their experiences to the point where I was like I can see myself in a lot of these memes (laughs) um, a lot of these videos so that kind of prompted me to look into getting myself diagnosed just so that I could possibly work out a better way of managing my day-to-day. When you say like getting yourself diagnosed was that an easy journey what are some of the steps that you can take to get a diagnosis? Uh, Ashamed to admit that I found my primary source was TikTok (laughs) but I realized from there that there was a service in the UK that was offering free diagnosis for people who are potentially neurodivergent and I reached out to my doctor and let them know that these are the reasons why I feel like I might have ADHD. Could you give me a referral? So my GP gave me a referral to this private practice. I then went through an ADHD assessment. I had to answer some questions. I had to get someone who knew me to answer some questions as well, I guess, to corroborate some of the traits that are symptomatic with ADHD. And then I had a consultation um, with a psychiatrist as well. And after that, they gave me the official diagnosis and put me on a trial treatment with some medication it's called a titration period and had like three months to kind of see how those go and then like you continue it from there at the time I was really lucky because the wait list was only six months for that 
And even still, I was a bit frustrated by that length. I think now with that increased awareness, it's become something that a lot of people are starting to explore. And I think there's been a lot more women looking into it as well. Like typically we've been like sidelined, I think, because as I said, like it seems like it's typically in the past been something that you associate with like, you know, young boys. Mm. But that has essentially meant that the waiting periods now are something like, I want to say two or three years. Wow which is a bit frustrating but I think that's why it's important for people whilst they don't have the official diagnosis but feel like they might have it to look at or explore tools or resources that are available around them or like online from like certain publications or authorities or groups that are like official bodies for it to I guess be able to manage their day-to-day or like enhance the way they live by managing the symptoms of ADHD. And since getting your diagnosis, how has that helped you to navigate life in general, but also more specifically being a DJ within electronic music? In terms of helping me navigate life in general, I think it has allowed me to have a lot more grace for things that I would otherwise not necessarily beat myself up about, but like hold myself to certain standards that neurotypical people have which wouldn't really apply to me so like it's given me the chance to understand that I can be kinder to myself in that regard especially because in women you tend to see a lot of masking of ADHD traits emotional dysregulation that comes with it you know tends to fall negatively on like the perception of how women like deal with things and Mm -hmm. stuff like that to the point where you do end up masking those traits Mm -hmm. um I think inattentiveness is like a bigger thing and you're like really it's like really easy to kind of like work around that or mask it so it has really helped me to kind of look at what I need to do to actually navigate some of those things rather than just being like oh my god get on with it and then in terms of DJing I think I wouldn't say it's helped the journey necessarily because I feel like the journey has always been favorable towards people who have that kind of like mentality and I think people with ADHD or ADD like where if you are neurodivergent um, and that isn't just people with ADHD they know that's people with like autism dyspraxia dyscalculia they tend to be like more creative thinkers so you're drawn into that sphere anyway I think it's just kind of enabled me to look at how I can expand the bounds of how I think or operate when I'm like, I guess, sorting through set lists or like, you know, delving into music or like looking at like, you know, different ways to put tracks together or stuff like that. Would you say that music then has helped you as like a coping mechanism to manage your neurodivergence or your ADHD? Oh, 100%, yeah. 100%. 100%. And ha- what are those ways? As, I, as I, someone who is neurodivergent, I feel like you're highly sensitive to your surroundings and that includes like sounds. I tend to have music on as in the background all the time anyway and I, and I used to wonder why like, and I think it is just because it kind of does give my brain something to focus on and soothe it in a way when like things are overwhelming. Sometimes it's dangerous like because I'll have like music on fairly loud on my AirPods and it's like noise cancelled and I'm like just trying to like not listen to rush hour because it will like (laughs) overwhelm me um kind of thing on the flip side of it as well like being someone who enjoys I guess being in the dance and stuff like that I think 
it feels good because when you're in those environments, you don't necessarily need to interact or like be mm. as like socially out there as you would say, for example, on a work social or like, you know, someone's like invited you to like a public place, like a bar or something like that. Like you can just like quote unquote lose yourself in the dance, but like really like it provides that kind of safe haven. That's not even just from like a environment and like sensory kind of perspective, but also there are quite a few studies that show that mm, listening to music or listening to, I guess, certain times of music in the dancing just like you know like whether it's like the percussion or like something bass and like techno that kind of I think um helps because it releases dopamine in you someone with ADHD or ADD you tend to have a lower level of dopamine Mm -hmm. I guess being in those environments helps you to increase that or get that spike up and from what I understand, or like this makes sense to me as well, like increased dopamine enhances the capacity of your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain where you like make those executive decisions and do all those executive functions that you, as someone with ADHD, find really hard. Like one thing that a lot of people with ADHD struggle with is like, you know, focusing or like lateness and stuff like that. So I find, yeah, music can really help kind of counter that or soothe that. Sometimes I listen to binaural waves, which is like a specific frequency of sounds when I want to concentrate. And that kind of helps me get into that zone. Like when you're listening to like rave music or like electronic music, I think the effect of the dopamine being released there is just, I think, makes you feel more level and I think level euphoric sense. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. And you spoke about like the sensory experiences that you have and how they can be calming and mm. like all overwhelming. Like what is your experience when it comes to like clubbing? Is it a calming space for you or is it something that oh, like, stimulates you and that gets you going? It's both. Yeah. Like the, I feel like the industry is very like stimulating though. Like I do sometimes wonder like given how many people there are who are neurodivergent in the scene, whether as an ecosystem it could be kind of shifted a bit or like certain practices could be adopted to make it more conducive for like growing or like larger number of neurodivergent people in the industry. I feel like... On the dance floor, the kind of effect of music is very different to, I guess, when you are creatively thinking through like your DJing, like set building process. There's different skills, right, and different spaces. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Or like different parts of your, I don't know, psyche that are being fed into it through those two different experiences. Like I find the stimulation from being in those environments is giving you that like dopamine hit. And at the same time, you're also just, as I said, in a place or where so many other people there are like you, like that, but also individual in their own sense and where it's accepted. Mm. Um, I think it feels uh, like you're more at ease in those environments. I love that you talked about like the social <coughs> aspect, about being accepted, belonging, like the community side of things. Like, How do you navigate the social interactions within the music industry and how or would you say that music is a great platform for you to like communicate through? I think... For some people who might find themselves more on like the introverted side of the personality uh, spectrum <laughs> might find that music gives them that outlet um, of being able to express themselves through their selections or like I guess the places that they go to and stuff like that. I do tend to find that as well but I think like 
the larger thing is definitely just the stimulation, I think, within the when you're going out like to places and like mm. listening to a certain type of music that you enjoy. That provides you with the stimulation you need. Yeah, 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 I think so. And like the whole experience as well. And like, you know, you can lose yourself on the dance floor for like ages. It's not like you can go like to something and enjoy it by yourself. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Like, and it's good because it's just you like connecting with the music and then like, you know, you can dip in and out of like social interactions with that as in going back to the original thing that you asked, which is like, how do I find navigating mm. the scene as of like in that way, like the social setting part of it, I think it can still be overwhelming. Irrespective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's the case is even if you're not like neurodivergent. Like it's just so like nice to see or like just hilarious to see actually how like so many people have like the same kind of like tropes or I guess uh, experiences when they are neurodivergent within that environment that you can relate to. You also mentioned time management previously. And I know that's probably an area that a lot of people might struggle with, including myself. Like, what is your experience with that side of things, like organisation, time management, like softer skills that could be like difficult to to master? Yeah, something that is quite prevalent with people who are neurodivergent or have ADHD is like a sense of time blindness. Mm. I have been accused of a lot or like even just an aversion to stick to deadlines or something like you see it looming close to you and nothing's coming to you until the 11th hour and then you're like all the ideas come rushing and that's the other thing as well like when you are neurodivergent like you're more prone to creative thinking but those sparks can come anywhere or Mm. anytime so I think part of getting a diagnosis or understanding you have it is understanding how you operate or work in those spaces and I guess trying to find what works for you as cliche as that sounds but I found for myself like I just did the BBC Asian Network residency um, for like a month and that was two hours of a show every week um, which required like nearly like 10 hours or something of programming because it's like getting the obviously like getting music together getting the mix together all of that kind of stuff and I found with that like I knew myself and knew that like having done it in February that I would be prone to like really cutting it fine for the deadline that was given me mm-hmm. so as a responsible adult um I put like internal deadlines for myself before their deadlines and try to treat those as gospel I think we always have this thing when we're talking about like you know black timing or like you know but people like pock timing or whatever where it's like tell them it's five o'clock like the reservations at five o'clock when it's actually at five thirty. like I have to play those mind games with myself right that's one thing I found to manage that. And I found also like sometimes with time management as well, it's not even just time management, but just management of things in general, like use the tools around you, multiple alarms on if you need, you know. <laughs> um, mm. That's the kind of thing that really works. But also I think knowing your attention span, because uh, ADHD is actually like attention deficit disorder, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, right? So if you know how much attention you can give to things before it starts to wane, work with that. People tend to do the Pomodoro technique, like we've heard across like so many like industries. It's like where you do 20 minutes of work and then five minutes of a break kind of thing. But if you feel like you know that your attention span 
is going to wane after like 10 or 15 minutes. Give yourself like break tasks up into those little 15 minute chunks and then take that 10 minute break, then come back to it. I think one thing that comes with the timelinedness as well is a certain element of like being over ambitious with your time, being like, I'm going to do X, 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 and it's all going to get done today. And you tend to have like a list. You're like, I have a list, but there's no priority in that list and there's no like actual realism in it either. So sometimes you have to like really think about what you can actually achieve within the time and energy that you have and commit to that and not beat yourself up about the fact that you can't sit down for like ages and then do something sometimes like I said like I can go into a band camp hole for two hours and not realize like because that's a ADHD hyperfixation, right but then there are certain things like if I had to like prep the show and there were other elements that I didn't necessarily like or mm. like I'm not necessarily not necessarily like but like stuff that I'm not like jumping to do like going into a band camp hole, right I had to but essentially just remind myself like how much attention I can have or I have available and be specific with the, that time that I have the other thing is also like you will have all that time and still procrastinate mm. because you have that time that you're just seeing time as that one long piece of string so yeah. you're like yeah it will get done within this but then if when you break it up into chunks you realize like okay I have x amount of time to do this or that you know like put my set list together or I don't know reach out to agents about like bookings or like I have X amount of time to like, I guess like socials are such a massive thing which people really hate doing, right? Mm. So I'd be like, okay, I'm going to spend like 15 minutes today just getting my caption together, getting these posts together and then getting it out instead of dreading it and feeling like it's going to be this like super long thing. Mm. Um, And I would also say like try, it can be really off-putting when you do that and then something comes in the way, like just with the example of socials, like how many times it happened that you've uploaded something and like it's just gone up in like a really low quality because you've not decided to tick like the Instagram thing which is which says that it will like upload the videos in high quality or something so making sure you like mitigate risk because the minute that something like that comes up it's so demotivating you'll just abandon the task and then not come back to it right. no that makes a lot of sense and I feel like I can relate to a lot of what you're yeah. <laughs> they're all like amazing tips as well do you have any tips for someone as you said who maybe can't get a diagnosis and will have to like self-diagnose and there's like a waiting period and they might need different to tap into different resources yeah um, there's so much out there now on it like especially and I love that like you know through a collective effort people have really banded together to show how prevailing it is in women or like for with women sharing their experiences as well because I think like your hormones really play into it too Mm -hmm. and I find like you know that whatever like general fog that you might get around like you know PMS time is kind of exacerbated maybe by like having ADHD symptoms or something like the general feeling of being overwhelmed but there's so much like as I said like my journey started from finding out about this thing on TikTok (laughs) so Gen Z (laughs) no I love it Um, but um, I wouldn't say use that as an official resource but then from there I found like ADHD Foundation and ADD Tude Magazine they have a lot of like resources within those that people look into that you can look into but more recently I've seen like there's um more of a connection being made with the dance music scene and ADHD because so many people are seeing that you know there is a correlation between the two and actually I did a like or survey on my Instagram the other day to just see like how many people like DJs and producers in the electronic scene uh, have experience with ADHD and I found there were 38% who were diagnosed and 62% undiagnosed 
which is quite a lot. And I feel like, obviously, as you said, whilst there is such a long waiting time for official treatments and diagnosis, those kinds of resources are really good to look into. It's quite new at the moment, but there is more of a kind of look into it from a, I guess, developmental perspective. And there is actually a DJ who is also an ADHD coach in music called Tristan Hunt. And he has done like quite a few surveys around the correlation between dance music and like DJs and producers. Um, And also just, I guess, people in the dance who tend to have it as well. So I think if you're trying to understand it as a DJ or producer from that perspective, like looking into his work would be quite useful, even if it's just like seeing yourself in the experiences that people are sharing but I guess also then looking at ways that some of the stuff can be managed specifically within this sphere. Are there any other DJs and artists with ADHD who inspire you, give out advice that is like really beneficial? I would have to give a special call out to Chande who is an incredible DJ, part of the Daytimers Collective as well. But when I was first going through my medication process and like couldn't get medicated for ages, like where he had been diagnosed from like an earlier age, um, he actually had a lot of resource and information to share with me on how to manage that normally, but also a lot of thoughts on like how the dance music industry could actually work better to support people or be more conducive to a group of people that are in that industry more so than like neurotypical people. He also did the BBC Asian Network residency as well. So like hearing from him how he managed that was very useful for me. As with everything, what I find as well, like within this industry, like a lot of people are very welcoming and very supportive Mm -hmm. um, and willing to share their experiences and their resources. And I definitely found that to be the case with Chande whilst I was like still exploring my own journey. And I think having that journey as an adult is a bit like confusing. So it felt quite nice to be validated in those experiences and not feel like it's just you not adulting properly. I don't know about other people, but I have a tendency to like gaslight myself on that. Like, oh, it's not ADHD. I'm just poor at doing X or Y. But like genuinely, like it is a chemical thing. Like, you know, dopamine effects, as I said, the prefrontal cortex, which is where all your executive decision making is happening, where your time management is happening and everything like that. So you have to kind of really... I acknowledge that and I think Chande was really um, helpful in helping me understand that. You touched on like the medication side of the journey as well. How does the medication like help you to better navigate like your neurodivergence, especially when it comes to like, working, mm-hmm. when it comes to music? Yeah, sure. So regrettably, I was given my medication and it takes about a week or so for you to actually get used to it because it is obviously creating some kind of chemical change in your like brain, right? So I took it for like three or four days and found that it was quite difficult to adjust to with my normal life um, in terms of like my day-to-day where I was working because some of the symptoms when you are starting to take the medication are, I guess, like increased dehydration, overwhelming feelings of anxiety. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess like chest blockage kind of thing. I'm not a medical advisor or a doctor, but I have heard that if you have, like you're meant to take the medication in the morning, you have two different kinds. There are long release and short release. Mm. So it really depends on like, you know, which one's going to work for you. That's what the titration is there for. It's, it's really a whole process. Like, you know, you have to see what works for you, but... 
if I was like taking a long acting one for it to break down or like go into my system, like you need to have a big breakfast, quite protein or like carb rich so that like the amino acids and the proteins like can break down the medicine and then you get the release out of it to help you in time. I find that it's quite interesting because where people don't tend to have that in the dance music scene, mm. like, you know, you people don't really see the correlation between self-soothing those symptoms with the kind of drugs that are prevalent within like the electronic music scene. But I feel like their effect tends to, in terms of like giving that dopamine hit, is very similar to that medicine. It's just mm. similar, similar to how like the effect of listening to music Mm-hmm. It's the same effect to that medicine. Unfortunately, I didn't really give my medication journey the entire breathing times I needed and I, something that I do want to come back to. But I would say that you do need to be ready to give yourself like time to adjust to those symptoms before the medication can start actually having the effect it needs to. And it's such a journey. Like I switched from like a short acting one to a long acting one. Mm-hmm. Because the short ones were making me feel like very, very like panic induced. Like, and I and I don't just say like panic induced like for a short period of time. Like it would last pretty much the entire day. Right. Okay. Um, once your body gets over that over the four or five days, I think that's when it starts actually being effective. I just didn't give it the baking time to do that. But then the short acting ones I found were a bit different in the sense that it didn't last as long like that. But there were still other symptoms that I didn't sit well with me. Um, and one thing that is prevalent it was people with ADHD is inconsistency so um you know it's it's so hard and it's like even the process as well it's confusing because you have to document your process yourself and then like you know after titration like they'll be like you've got a week let us know how it's going like you know and make sure you submit your blood tests and all of that kind of stuff but as someone with ADHD, <laughs> that's going to be hard. Like, right, yeah. Because, you know, you're prone to missing those deadlines and stuff. So you really, really have to hold yourself accountable. Um, what I find in terms of, like, then managing that stuff naturally is looking at other ways to do it. A lot of people talking about double-bodying because you, sometimes you really need someone there to hold you accountable to things that you need to do mm. and stuff like that. So actually, when I was doing um, radio over the summer, like, be telling my friends, like, you know, okay, but before I go out this weekend I need to make sure that I get like all of these like bits of the show recorded like don't let me not do it kind of thing so I would get them to check in on me because then I'm holding myself accountable to them and I don't want to disappoint them you know and then I guess like when I'm like doing show research and stuff like that it was really useful for me to be in places like a cafe or like a working space where other people were also working like you can usually people tend to do things like double bodying which so many people do like you know study together kind of thing like you know let's study together on zoom or whatever (laughs) but it's essentially that because it really works having someone else there with you doing those things really works sometimes as well like having people on the phone whilst you're doing things like is really helpful because I always find myself I can't sit and do one or just sit and not do something or I can't bring myself to do something that needs some level of focus until there's something else going on around me Mm. like it's only when I'm in like a one hour meeting or something that I'll be like shooting off these emails and stuff like that (laughs) like it's weird like you just find that you are more engaged with certain things when your mind is stimulated in other ways Mm -hmm. 
or if you're looking for stimulation in the ways that something isn't giving you like I don't know a one hour talk or one hour meeting or something like that and then you're just like yeah finding yourself doing things I find myself like quite fidgety as well sometimes so that's why I picked up crocheting during lockdown <laughs> so I was like I need to do something that's not leave my hands on my phone because you'll just you'll find so many people like they'll have a heightened anxiety they'll just like you, you start scrolling right yeah. and that's just to self-soothe I mean I'm sure like loads of people can relate to that definitely yeah, yeah yeah exactly and that's the thing even if you're not neurodivergent a lot of those things or practices are things that people say are like conducive to being able to navigate adult life in a productive way so there's no harm in adopting them but it is just hard to do but yeah I'd say things like double bodying accountability partners mm. or maybe as well like in lieu of medication I guess just looking at other ways to manage dopamine regulation I think some of that does come from diet as well sugar is obviously something that a lot of people have like an interesting relation with but it is something that I think in excess can end up working against you when you've got something like ADHD just because of like the high crash and then drop. You're already quite prone to emotional deregulation or like just general like chemical imbalances. So that kind of heightens that. Not having like, I guess, a fibrous start to the day as well can tend to like keep your brain in like a brain fog. So yeah, just natural things like that. Mm. And I know you touched on the fact that um, there's been conversations about how like the dance music industry can better support artists with ADHD. Like, have you had some thoughts around that? What are your thoughts on how we can create a better like network or support space for people who could be struggling or just want to find better ways to manage? It's such an interesting question because I feel like so much of it is underpinned by people's experiences of where they struggle the most. And I think a great starting point to kind of unpack that would, I guess, be to see where people's like challenges align, um, or like where neurodivergent people's like challenges align within the industry. I think like one of the things I touched upon was like the deadline element. I feel like that is part and parcel of anything that you're going to be in, but it's still something that you struggle with. And if we are in an environment where there are so many neurodivergent people and the scene is like so fast-paced as well at the same time like is there a way that deadlines around submissions of shows sets all that kind of stuff can be relaxed it doesn't sound practical it doesn't sound practical there's a lot to I guess there's so many different areas of your experience or like your profession that could be potentially optimize through it through like you know a better way of or a better environment being set up for people with a neurodivergence but like that's been like the biggest thing I've always noted on like but I at the same time recognizing that it's always going to be something that has to be there unfortunately if the fact of the matter is that you do have to work towards deadlines or stuff but, um I think what would be really cool actually because obviously Music tends to, as I said, stimulate people. But imagine if there were like sensory rooms in the rave. I'm all for that. Imagine you get overstimulated in the smoking yeah. area or something like that. And you can, yeah, there's a little sensory Relax. chill out I space. think one does have one. I'm not sure if it's always like that, but one night that I went to, there was a space where it was like of a, like a chill, relax. there was like carpet in there, it was like a chill nice. space. Yeah, there was the lighting was different. And I was just like, this should be a regular... Thing. I think space obviously in London is one of those things that is just so difficult mm. but I completely agree even just like outside of like neurodivergence right just having somewhere that you can just take a break and yeah. just makes a lot of sense yeah yeah you like know? touch grass in the dance sense yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little park in the, in the, in the club yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, we're not asking for too much <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but 
no, that's one of the things that comes to mind. But then in terms of like the professional side of it, what, what would you say? I don't know. I guess having conversations like this is the start yeah. to just, number one, educate people. Mm-hmm. And I guess like open up a conversation of like, how we can best like support because I guess you need yeah. to talk to people to understand what you're struggling with in order to like create exactly. like the support yeah. systems right um so probably that maybe like some formal like community groups that could be yeah um, yeah I think I feel like that's something that we like me and Nira were talking about yeah like, so me and Chande were talking about quite a lot and it would be great for it to be fronted by like a pioneer within like the electronic music space because mm-hmm. that will get the conversation to spread even further do you know what I mean just like something that very like formalized like this is the space if you have ADHD and you're struggling where you can go and find everything mm-hmm. whether it be online yeah. in real life and it maybe had all the partners and I think we're inching it. closer to that with yeah. like the kind of like I've seen more and more like like interviews or publications right. like touch on ADHD and the dance music scene specifically not just music but specifically the dance music scene for the very reasons like I've outlined in terms of the type of music that's played mm-hmm. the type of culture that there is mm-hmm. around it I guess the kind of I wouldn't say substance abuse but like you know substance use I don't mm-hmm. want to like you know promote anything bad on here but like I feel like all of those things like are very much trope things that people with ADHD are exposed to or like reasons for which they are drawn to the scene as you said like acknowledging that and also then just like having a hub for that since it is so prevalent would be a really good start for I guess people then understanding where more acceptance can be given to people who are experiencing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and free diagnosis if you work in yeah, electronic dance music. That would be Wouldn't sick. that be great? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Free get someone to fund that. <laughs> yeah. So Honestly. yeah, something like, like a scheme like that would be Because you know, you've amazing. got things like ACS which do like earplugs air specifically for musicians, mm-hmm. the Hair Musicians Society. Like if there was a society like that, that fast-tracked diagnosis for people within the music specifically, it would help them be so much more productive and all those things yeah exactly like if I had the focus that I did like earlier on in my DJ career that I kind of do now from managing those symptoms like I feel like I would put myself out there more mm-hmm. and been it been a bit more confident in navigating it then yeah in that way because yeah. you've had yeah you've yeah. been supported Manoa thank you so much for joining us it's been a wonderful conversation it's been so informative as well and I'm sure I don't just speak for myself but I've learned so much from understanding how you've navigated the music industry and how you've been on your journey with ADHD and understanding yourself better thank you thank you for having me I hope you can have more way more discussions like this because I definitely need it It's been so educational to learn about ADHD and what it is and also how the dance music community can support people and create a space which feels more inclusive. I also feel like it's been amazing to hear from people firsthand like Manor, who has spoken so candidly about her experience living with ADHD. I'd also like to thank Dr. Michelle for giving us some of the facts. And I encourage you to continue celebrating the unique perspectives and talents that are neurodivergent individuals and what they bring to dance music, especially if that is someone like yourselves. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for more engaging content. This is the Resident Advisor Black Minds Matter series. Thank you for listening to this RA Exchange in collaboration with Black Minds Matter. Many thanks to Vanessa Maria for executing the interviews and ideating this episode together, and to Manor and Dr. Michelle for their great insight into the world of mental health, race, and the music industry. 
This edition of the Aria Exchange was recorded in collaboration with The Cube, London's first members studio for music and content creators. If you're a music producer, songwriter, artist, photographer, or podcaster and would like to apply for membership, head over to thecube.com. That's cube spelled with a Q. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the RA Exchange and listen to our full archive of conversations on ra.co or on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. You can also hear our last episodes in collaboration with BMM on topics like performance anxiety, destigmatizing therapy, substance abuse, and more on the Resident Advisor website or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have ideas for guests you'd like to hear on the podcast or stories you'd like to share, please send us an email at exchange at re.co. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, take care.